On the podcast today, we have Coach Mark Wilson. He's the head coach at Sissonville. I know you will love his insight. Uh, it's a great conversation with a coach that is, has done a lot with that program. And after a short word from our sponsor, you will hear from Coach Wilson. Coach Wilson, welcome on to the podcast today. Appreciate you having me, man. So I recorded Coach Ramsey's earlier today, and he said that y'all have like a, a joke about yes. being on the podcast. He, he confirmed that, that, uh, that rumor. Is that true? It is. A, it has been an ongoing thing. We did. I, I sincerely didn't think we were going to make the podcast, but he texted me like 30 seconds bef- after you did and, and was like, hey, I'm, I made the podcast. What about you? And I was like, dude, I just made it. <laughs> Trust me, this is nothing spectacular. Uh, I hear I've you. actually got some new stuff. I got a microphone and a headset and stuff. But no, sometimes, like, I don't know how to use it, so it doesn't always sound the best. But I think it's getting better. It looks good. I like it. I've, been, I've actually been listening to it since uh, back at your Riverside days, man. I've, I've gotten a lot of good insights from you. Well, I appreciate years. that. I mean, I appreciate that, Coach. You're, you're one of the best. Uh, I don't know about you always, all that. You always have your guys ready, man. That's Your guys just play like their hair is on fire, and that's that's the best compliment I can give to a coach. You know, that's that's just the best. You know, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, I had something to do with it, but really our, our guys just have a passion for competing, you know, um, the kids out here in Sissonville are tough, hard-nosed kids. They'll, they'll go hard, and if uh, you give them something to believe in, they will believe. That's awesome, Coach. Coach, give the listener a little bit of background about yourself, if you, want, if you don't mind. Well, I'm uh, obviously Mark Wilson. I'm uh, head coach at Sissonville High School. Um, I guess that you could call this my sixth season here at Sissonville, but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's a big, big deal because God only knows if we're going to play an actual game. Um, you know, but uh, trying to guide our kids through this has been an interesting experience. Um, started coaching football 2004 at Johnstown Monroe High School. I spent a few years there, a couple years at Lake Mary Prep, or actually one year at Lake Mary Prep down in Florida. Went back to Johnstown, a few years at South Charleston, and then I came here. So, it's been yeah, an interesting you, run. You talked to me about we coached in Florida, I think, around the same time, did we not? I think what was that 2011, somewhere around I, there. Well, so I was there in 2005, I think, okay. 2005 or 2006. But I was you know, way I, off. Okay. So I have I have some some buddies down there, so I've I've kept track of at least that local, you know, the Lake Mary area pretty well as long as they were in the coaching game. Now most of them have moved on and and uh, actually are in Georgia now, so. Oh, that's where you make all the money. That's that's why people move to Georgia. That's why I moved. Is that what is that what it is? I hear you. I didn't know, man. I just I I set my sights for the wrong place, I guess. Well, shoot, you coach in Georgia, you're going to make a ton more money than if you were coaching in Florida. It's just a lot. A lot of guys move there. It really is one of the reasons why they move. I believe it. I believe it, and I I can understand. West Virginia, yeah, West Virginia, not so much, but you know, it's a good place to live and good people and all that stuff. You know, the, the one thing that, that's a positive about West Virginia is the bottom line or the, that bottom number might not be as good, but uh, what you can get for your money is pretty good. You know, so your standard of living, being a football coach and a, and a teacher here in, in the state of West Virginia is a lot higher than it is in a lot of other places. So, you know, I feel like that money stretches pretty well, even though it's not as high. Now, when you're making student loan payments, that doesn't help. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, know. no doubt. You know, so uh, I, I get I've got caught up in that deal. So I'd like like to get out of it, but we'll see. Yo, shoot, man! I, I hear those things are terrible. I'm lucky enough; I don't have any. But 
man. Oh, yeah, buddy, it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle, let me tell you. Mm. Man, I, I hope they do something about that. There's something like in Congress or wherever they're, they're thinking about, like, getting rid, of those, getting rid of those, I guess. I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, they've kicked around a lot of stuff. I tell you, the hardest part about it is um, sometime, and actually this happened between my freshman and sophomore year of college, right about 2003, the interest rates went, and I actually just paid off some of them, where the interest rate was 2.3% interest. Uh, they went all the way from 2.3 to 6.8. Right? Oh. So, you know, so if I'm making a four or $500 a month payment on, uh, on a decent amount of money, you know, you're not even cutting into the interest payments. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it becomes pretty difficult, especially on a teacher salary. You know, yeah, no like we said, you know, if, if you were in Georgia or Ohio or someplace where you made made decent money, that would make a difference. But uh, in West Virginia, your money is stretched pretty far on the housing and food and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, those bills, you know, those national bills like that are the same as everybody else's. So it gets pretty difficult for sure. No doubt. You know, what, and obviously we played we played y'all Sisville a couple of years ago, but then my I spent most of my time in Sisville in that Piggly Wiggly up there. You say it's like the, has it has the best music? Is that what you keep telling me, dude? The Pig, I'm telling you, is the greatest tunes of all time. At any one time, you can watch walk in there. They're playing Sam Cooke, which I'm gonna say like I don't know, man. I'm old school, so I love Sam Cooke. They'll be cranking Bruce Springsteen. Every, like mm -hmm. the other day, it was like Merle Haggard playing. Oh, jeez. They're playing like albums, man. I'm, like it's <laughs> it's awesome, dude. I'm like, anytime you walk into Piggly Wiggly, it's like they're cranking tunes, man. I love it. That's fantastic, Coach. Talk about your journey to being a head coach there at Systemville. Talk about kind of how you built your career to to get the Systemville job. You know, uh, I, I guess I never really got into this thing with the idea that I was going to be a head football coach. You know, now. Um, I kind of just followed the path that I was on, and uh, I've been lucky to have an experience and work with a bunch of really good guys. Uh, first experience was at Johnstown Monroe High School up in Ohio. Uh, very close friends of mine all across that program. Uh, their head football coach, Mike Carter, is, I mean, he's a personal mentor. Man, was in my wedding. You know, um, he actually coached me in high school, not as a head football coach, but as an assistant. Uh, when I decided to get into the coaching thing, uh, my dad actually, they have a thing called the Fireman's Festival in the city of Johnstown. It's kind of like the um, Memorial Day celebration up there. And my dad ran into him with my brother working in the, uh, the Johnstown Boosters hot dog stand and was like, hey, I heard, Wilson, or I heard Wilson was trying to get into coaching. Have him call me. I literally got a coaching job on a cell phone, you know, in the middle, in the middle of a, in the fireman's festival, right? So I've been lucky and blessed to have uh, worked with him um, and, and learned that coaching is a mission, you know, and that uh, we're, we're here to, for the betterment of kids. And, and that's really what we're here to do. Um, I mean, obviously I knew that from, from the experience of working with him. Uh, went to, went to uh, Lake Mary Prep and at Lake Mary Prep, um, learned how to lose because we were the worst team in America. But oh, I also, geez, no, no. Oh, buddy, we were 0 and 10, and I think we scored our first touchdown in like week seven. Oh, of the gosh. Oh, it was, it, we were god awful, right? <laughs> but, oh. you know, what, what I did take from that experience is that our kids um, it truly enjoyed the lessons that came from football. You know, uh, I, we had probably the biggest banquet that I've ever been a part of 
when we were there. It was, the, it was like the most elaborate thing. And here's the, here's the wild thing. The kids that we had on our football team, we had like 17 or 18 kids, right? The kids we had on our football team actually took second in the state in single-A football or single-A basketball. They were runner-up in, runner in the state. So they went from football where we were the worst, literally the worst team in America, to, uh, to being one of the best teams in the state of Florida in basketball, right? So there were some good players there. But, but I, I want to believe that at least some of the lessons that we had taught them on the football field helped translate to what they did there. Um, obviously, went back to Johnstown for a couple years. Uh, got a chance to uh, come down here to West Virginia looking for a teaching job and uh, worked with uh, Coach Messenger and then Coach Mays at South Charleston High School. Uh, working with Coach Mays, the guy's like a football encyclopedia. You know, you call him and say, hey, what about this? And he'll give you 15 different ideas, 15 different things and things you should be watching and that sort of thing. So he's been a great resource and a great tool for me. And uh, when this Sissonville job opened up here, Coach May said, hey, that's, that's a place for you, man. This is somewhere you need to go. And I, I luckily applied and got hired and been here for six years. That's awesome, Coach. Yeah, I remember, I think, when, when, did, you, when did you hire? What, 2015? Uh, 15, yeah. 15, yeah. And because then y'all came and did some stuff with us at Riverside in the summer. I remember. Yeah, we, we, did, a, we did a summer. That might have been the year after. That's our second yeah, year. Yeah, 16. Okay. Yeah, we, we did like a little crossover thing down there. It was a good, good experience for us. I think our, our, uh, our O-line, D-line got beat up pretty good that day. And I, I think that we were not very talented up front, but we had some tough kids. And those guys really buckled in after that day. And we're like, man, we gotta, we're going to have to we're going to have to work a little bit harder if we're going to be good. Oh, no doubt. I, now, 16 and 17, our offensive line at Riverside was pretty good. I mean, for yeah, AAA some, football, West real, Virginia. It's some really tough kids, man. There's a couple mm -hmm. of them just punched us right in the mouth. Oh, yeah, man. Those, well, they, sometimes they, they're about to punch me in the mouth sometimes, too. They were a little I – mean, You'll have that. You'll have <laughs> Great that. kids, tough. You know. You uh, like you that, that goes. O-lineman. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll take, I mean, I'll take it out of – I'll take it out of any of them, but, uh, you know, out of an O-lineman, that's a uh, beautiful thing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, gee whiz, I, I, one thing coaching here in West Virginia, I mean, you don't really have to worry about kids' toughness. I feel like most kids are really tough. Uh, they're, you know, they have to coach them, obviously, but a lot of them have been through some stuff in their life that have made them harder yeah. than the average teenager. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, we don't, we don't run into people getting physically tired per se, you know, they'll, they'll push through injuries or, or being hurt and that sort of thing. That's not a big deal. I mean, half our guys are out here, you know, hunting and fishing all the, all the time. I, heck, I just had a kid caught a sinker to the eyes um, and had to get his eye operated on, you know, in our, in our pandemic time, they get into a little bit <laughs> more than football. And uh, I think had a little fishing accident. So. Oh yeah, man. That's, Fishing, I, I need to get back into fishing for real. I've, I haven't been fishing in years, but a bunch of people around here do it. Do you fish, Coach? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Man, I used to fish when I was a kid, and my dad and I fished all the time. And I just, um, you know, my hobby's football, you know. So yeah. having a couple kids at home, there's not a, not a, a lot of extra time, you know, coach football and go home and take care, of your, take care of the babies. Oh, no doubt, Coach. So, Coach, talk about kind of your program philosophy at Sissonville. What do you believe in? How do you do it? Uh, how do you get your guys motivated? Those type, types of things. So, so from the get-go here, we, we develop four core values. So it's fundamentals, toughness, courage, enthusiasm. Um, you know, that's, that's the uh, 
the foundation of our football program. So obviously fundamentals, excellence in blocking and tackling, right? So we are working blocking and tackling every single day in practice. Even if, you know, if we're in t-shirt and shorts, we're going to go out there and work a blocking drill and a tackling drill every single day. Um, toughness, we want to give five seconds of relentless effort every single play, right? So I think, you know, talking about getting our kids to play hard, I think giving them a foundation of what that means. So defining it's with specifics, so they're not guessing, like, what, it, what does giving great effort mean? Well, we, call, we define effort as five seconds of relentless effort, right? And, you know, we film practice all the time, so it's, and we are constantly grading effort as much as we are grading, you know, the fundamentals that they play with. Um, courage, having the courage to play this game for each other, right? One of, the, one of the factors that we have, that kids constantly have to deal with is the outside world telling them how things should be. Right, so we, we, we talk about having the courage to play this game for each other and being part of a brotherhood, a brotherhood of trust, trust that is forged through repeated experience. Right, so um, by, develop, by developing that trust and being part of the brotherhood, right, we overcome the adversity that we are faced, both internal and external through that, uh, the courage to play the game for each other. And then mm -hmm. enthusiasm, nothing great has ever been done without enthusiasm. We had, a, we had a kid at Johnstown Monroe High School, and it was a year that we weren't as good as we had been in the past. Uh, we went five and five. Uh, one, of the, one of the amazing things about uh, the guy I coach with, Mike Carter, has never had a season lower than five and five, right? Oh, He's geez. been there, been there 10, 10 years, right? And that's a school that prior to him being there had never made the playoffs. So it's a pretty cre incredible thing that he's done there, and, and I've been able to kind of draft off of, of – um, you know, learning from his success and, and being able to translate some of those things here. But uh, we had this kid, Courtney Cartwright, and I remember him. Uh, Courtney was one of the most ener energetic kids. And at the end of every practice, he would say, nothing great has ever been done without enthusiasm. And he'd like yell it, even like on the worst, hardest, hottest, worst days, like Courtney, Courtney Cartwright could muster up the energy to get our team riled up. And that was something oh, yeah. that stuck with me. If you can't play with enthusiasm, you have nothing. Man, that's awesome, Coach. And your guys do that. I mean, I, I, when we, we played, what, past two years, and oh, yeah. man, they, they are tough, physical, play hard. Yeah. We played in the Mud Bowl two years ago. I yeah, think it was crazy. At our, at our place. That, that was like I, – I think that game was the – was like the seed to us getting our fields. Yes, you know I mean? absolutely. That was, that was the worst. First of all, we had spent so much time that year – as a football program, preparing our field. Like, mm -hmm. it was like we seeded it like twice that year. We did all this fertilization thing. We were watering it and, and cutting it on a certain routine schedule. And then it just rained nonstop. And the, the worst thing was the rain, the, between the rain and our soccer team had some weird scheduling thing where they ended up playing a whole bunch of games back to back to back on it. And the field just came apart. And I, I literally coached four games that year in two inches of mud and water on our sidelines. At one point, I lost my shoes. Like, this is not a, this is not a fake story. Like, they, they oh got stuck in mud and they came off, and I couldn't find them. Like, it, it was like the next day I went out there and found my right shoe. Oh, my gosh. I, I just remember, like, after the game, our offensive coordinator came down from the box because he was, like, yelling at our kids because they weren't cutting. And he's yeah, like, like, oh, oh I, I understand why mind. now. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Never mind. <laughs> like, yeah, we, I mean. We have straight line running. That's what you have. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember there was like four or five times the center went to snap the ball because we were both in the gun every snap. 
like and the ball didn't move it just like roll it like stuck there in the mud it was crazy seriously seriously oh, absolutely actually i thought those referees did a good job that day because they yeah, weren't they weren't uh if i can't remember what it, it uh they weren't like calling uh they they were giving false starts to us instead of yeah. fumbles right we probably right. would have had 10 turnovers between the two oh teams. yeah if if that wouldn't have happened, but the ball, you know, they were snapping the ball and they called it false start instead of that because right. of that. Like I felt like that was a gift, you know, yeah. because we we absolutely would have had turned over the ball a couple of times. Yeah, no doubt, man. One of the so, rare times that I can say a referee did a good job. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess they do a good job all the time, right, Coach? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. So, Coach, talk. You're a defensive guy. Talk about your defensive philosophy uh, for the listeners. Yeah, we're a baseball 4-4, um, you know, and, and I came up with the 4-4 the uh, with the philosophy of pressure bus pipes, meaning, uh, you know, like our, like our job is to put pressure on the team to perform, right? Uh, we, we have basic principles. We want to put a down man in a gap where, where you're running the football, so we're, we're going to spend a lot of time figuring out where you're running the ball, and then kind of translated that in the spread uh, to putting a down person where you are throwing the football. So if you're going to hmm. try to hit a particular spot on the field, we are going to align somebody in that place to take that away from you, right? Hmm. Uh, we want to be multiple and simple, meaning we're going to give the opponent a lot of looks, but for us, it's going to be translate to being things that are very similar, right? Hmm. Uh, and then we, um, we want to uh, bring pressure on every single play. So we are trying to put, bring some sort of pressure on every single play. Now, with the ad, with with the increased amount of passing offense, we've had to find ways to bring pressure without necessarily blitzing, right? So right. we, you know, we might have, uh, you know, eight guys in coverage or seven, six guys in coverage, but we're going to find a way to, you know, either mm -hmm. stunt the defensive line, move a defensive lineman, uh, create a count situation where we're creating one-on-one -on -one matchups where we mm -hmm. can put pressure, and then. You know, that it's as much about the players as it is to play. So I'm really big on changing personnel, meaning like mm. situ in situations we are going to use, you know, fast guys on our defensive line or, or you know, in the same, you know, in short yarded situations, we're going to bring in heavy guys if we can. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That, that, that's, a big, that's a big thing for us, and it's something that our guys are used to running different personnel groups on and off the field and, and that allows us to meet that goal of putting pressure on every play. That's and then awesome, and last one, we want to run and hit, you know, one of the things right. we focus on is swarming to the ball and tackling. And we, you know, one thing I don't teach our guys is to lay on the ground and hope somebody falls over top of you. We're going to chest right. up, run our feet and run you backwards. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like if we're not running a guy backwards, we ain't tackling. Shoot me. I thought, you know, you guys were one of the better defenses we played last year. I mean, shoot, I, I, it's I, just, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, um, there were certainly some things that uh, we could have done better. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, like I felt like in stopping internal run, B-gap to B-gap was not our strength. And it should have been because we had uh, two really strong defensive linemen last year. And uh, you know, teams kind of just ran right at us. You guys ran right at us. And we had a lot of trouble with that, you know, which is something that we need to fix. Something I worked on fixing this year, and I'm hoping sure. I get to get to get to utilize some of those things. But uh, yeah. you know, cer certainly, um, I, I do I do appreciate you recognizing that at least our guys play really hard on defense. Oh man, I mean, I mean we're 
you know, trying to misdirect you, trying to get eyes places they're not supposed to be, and your guys read their keys. And in the passing game, you know, it's hard because, you know, you're very aggressive with your coverage. So, I mean, all that quick game is gone. So, you, you know, that ball's got to go up and deep, you know. And that's, that's you know, a harder throw. I, I, so, you talk about percentages. It used to be that the fade ball, like the outside pass, was about a 12% completion rate. Now, I would say teams are probably more in a 40 range these days. I haven't actually gone right. through and matched it up, but I think about 40%. But I'm going to take my chances – at least this is my philosophy. I'm going to take my chances with your quarterback looking at it out of his ear hole and catching one deep bomb down the field. And you right. got to make a decision. Are you going to keep doing that? You know, because a lot right. of teams quarterback is the key guy, you know, especially teams that are chucking the ball down the field. And I look at it and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put licks on him as many times as I can. And, and, uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, try to, try to make you make a decision. We're going to keep doing this or not. Now that being right. said, you know, uh, some of the teams in our league, and 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 you guys especially, you man, you got a big old tough quarterback. I mean, that kid stand, you can whack him all day, and he'll stand in there and deliver the football. So I guess that philosophy doesn't necessarily work all the time. But that being said, that's what we're going to try to do. Yeah, no doubt, coach. So, coach, how does your offensive philosophy philosophy match up with your defensive philosophy? You know, uh, we, we actually year to year change tempos and that sort of thing. Now, I, I'm actually uh, like a power guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. we, we, my first year here at Sissonville, we ran unbalanced eye, right? Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, understanding our players, we went to a spread offense. It's what I coached under Donnie, so I, I had some background under in it. And mm -hmm. uh, we love the physicality of being a run, running inside, outside zone, power and counter tray. And, and those two, those things, and then being able to uh, exploit matchups in the passing game, right? And, right. and also, you know, utilize a quarterback as a runner because we, you know, we've had a couple quarterbacks in the past few years mm -hmm. who have been great runners. Uh, how does that match up? You know, from year to year, we, we look at what our total team is and d determine how we're going to use tempo. For example, we feel like this year our offense is the strength of our team, so we're going to be speeding up the rate at which we run plays. Well, hopefully right. we will be. Yeah, <laughs> right? hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we're playing, yeah. Hopefully. that That's kind of the philosophy. Whereas last year, you know, we went deep into that 40 seconds over and over again because we felt like defense was our strength, right? right. So, we, you know, there's different tools within our system to to be able to tweak and, and manipulate things to try to uh, play to the strengths of our team. That's awesome, Coach. Man, I, yeah, you guys are a tough matchup because, I mean, you're, you're big, physical, good defense, and then you can – like you said, you can choose a clock on offense or your quarterback has some good wheels too. I mean, you can run him. You're, you're always plus one if that guy runs. We, we, feel, we feel blessed to have had um, – you know, at this point, we're, we're three, three quarterbacks – you know, that, that we've had here. And all three of those guys have been able to make plays with their feet. You know, mm -hmm. if, if we didn't have a guy back there that could make plays with their feet, we would, we would be in trouble, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the mobile quarterback is what the way most the, everybody's trying to find, yeah. That's the way of the future. You know, uh, when, when I first started facing these spread offenses, but, you know, back in 2007, 2008, it, it was kind of like everybody took their tailback moved them to quarterback and, and then spread one more guy out there. And that's really right. what they were doing, you know. And, uh, you know, if that guy could chuck the ball a little bit, you know, that was a bonus. 
now, I mean, we're seeing some some guys that can read, like truly read defenses and find holes and stuff and meet mm-hmm. multiple progressions. So, you know, the first guy that I've ever had was Kentre Greer or that I've ever been around that could really do right. that stuff was Kentre Greer over at South Charleston. I, I mean, that kid, it was incredible what Coach Mays had him doing in, you know, mm-hmm. with our offense. And, yeah, you know, you, you always felt like you were in the game because – you know, whatever matchup we had, they'd make the adjustments and he, he would make plays, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's pretty incredible what they're doing these days. That's awesome, Coach. Coach, as we, we land this plane, give coaches just a nugget about what's it take to be a head coach? What, what do you think are some of the keys to being a really good head coach like you are? Well, I, I appreciate that. I don't know how really good is, is probably a stretch. Um, I would say that the most important thing is commitment to the kids. Right. This, I mean, at the end, of, at the end of the day, coaching is about developing people. It has nothing to do with the X's and O's. Now, the X's and O's and, the, and all that stuff are the tools that we use to um, try to get the kids to do good things so that they believe in what you're trying to get accomplished. But uh, you know, and this, this is a completely different thread. But we really, about uh, four years ago, got into the uh, the E plus R equals O, event plus response equals mm-hmm. outcome stuff, and trying to teach our kids. This R factor stuff, like you know, using those disciplines and use and creating a discipline-driven lifestyle, right? And um, I really think that if you are going to be a coach, you have to be committed to developing people. And if you're not, you're not really a coach. Coach, that's awesome. And that E plus that I love E plus R because I was that Tim and Brian Kite. Is that who came oh, up with that Tim, originally? Tim and, Tim and Brian Kite. So I think the event plus response equals outcome thing has been out there for a while. Like that that right. model, right? But they've really sure, taken, yeah. taken it to the next level. The R factor, right? And mm-hmm. then the lead now stuff is is incredible, right? And mm-hmm. and I this is what I think is great about it. Um, First of all, you know, in today's world, it gives us a framework in which to talk to kids about it. So right. we've always been teaching these things, right? Mm-hmm. But having a very structured methodology is is key, especially with today's youth, because they need those things, right? Right. Uh, and and the factors that exist outside of uh, youth culture point require us to be better at doing that. It also mm-hmm. changes the way you talk to your kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, by me having that structure, instead of saying, man, we got to go work hard, right? I got to say, we got to press pies and get our mind right and step up for the day, right? Yeah. Everybody, like, we, we, we take them through that and everybody knows what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we've developed a culture around that where they understand what that means and we, we can have that conversation efficiently. That's know? awesome. Yeah. You all speak the same language. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's crucial. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the first time uh, Mike Carter had this be tough, try hard, have fun. And I felt mm-hmm. like that said everything that a kid needed to be a great Johnstown football player. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tried to figure out what, what is it that, that you could bring to your team to communicate those things with clarity so that they understand what you're trying to get accomplished. And we're not just talking, you know, um, if I go in the locker room, right. I can talk to my team and say, okay, um, you know, we are, we have been faced with this situation. It's going to tra- take a, 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 a tremendous step up and we got to adjust and adapt to what we are seeing here to be great. Mm-hmm. Right. And they understand what I'm talking about and, and we can be efficient in that conversation. And instead of being all emotional about, Oh man, this is how, I, man, we got, we got to get better. We got to get tougher. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what it is. It's an mm-hmm. adult conversation about, we have to do a better job here. 
right? This is what we have to fix. Let's go do the job. Coach, that's awesome. Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Of course, man. Uh, and, and sharing your wisdom, my friend. I made, the, this has been I awesome. made the podcast, man. I made oh, the shoot. podcast. Well, oh, then you back on. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I'll do it again, man. It's hey, fun. If, if I'm on, if I'm on twice, I'm I'm rubbing it in Ramsey's face. No question. Yeah, oh, absolutely, no doubt. This is fantastic. Yeah, he'll probably rub, rub his running back in our face. So, <laughs> well, that cat's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> run right over top of us, man. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah. So, good Shoot, deal, coach. Man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you.